Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. That's what we want to talk about today in the terms Christian versus disciple. And we want you to know Jesus' promise that you can find peace and rest in the burden of life, right? As you walk in his easy yoke. And that's a call to discipleship. You see, in our culture, the term Christian and disciple are confusing. As we said, Christian has taken on a lot of baggage, right? And so much so that in our culture, when you, the term Christian sometimes sparks somebody that sits on the political right, that's a Christian, right? That means you're a conservative Republican if you're a Christian. Well, that's, that's confusing. That's not the, what the Bible talks about. The term Christian means you're just an angry sign bearer, you know? Turn to Jesus or burn, right? No, 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 that's not biblically what Christian is all about. The term Christian means you're a hypocrite. You go to church, but you know, I see you in the workplace and you look just like me. You're just as messed up as I am, right? It's confusing. And so I want to go back to the Bible. I want to go back to Jesus. What does the Bible say about Christian and disciple? And if you're a seeker, if you're interested in learning about Jesus, you're sort of getting in the Bible and, and you're here and you want to be open to discover, we're excited to walk with you. And I just want to tell you something, one, clear, one thing clear from the Bible today that you need to know is that Jesus came to make disciples. He didn't come to make Christians. What? Yes. Jesus came to make disciples. He didn't come to make Christians. And when you bracket, if you do spiritual bracketology and you put Christian versus disciple in the Bible, guess who wins? Disciple. Because the term disciple is used 267 times in the Bible. <laughs> The term Christian is used three. What? Yes. That's true. And as a matter of fact, the Christian is a later term in the development of Christianity, and it's just a nickname to describe disciples. So what I want you to hear this morning is the Bible is a book written by disciples, about disciples, for disciples. That's the scriptures. And so we want to make it clear what it means to be a disciple. What does it look like to follow Jesus because a disciple is someone who is intentionally chosen. Not clicking. You guys forward the slides. Next one. All right. A disciple is someone who is intentionally chosen to follow Jesus in order to become like him. A disciple is someone who is intentionally following Jesus, trusting in Jesus in order to become like him. Right? And many times in our world, the term Christian, and even in a church, even in what I, and I've been a pastor for almost 30 years, even in a church, we've allowed people to believe that Christians are people that pray a prayer and they get a ticket to heaven when they die. That's what it means to be a Christian in American culture today. You pray a prayer and you get a ticket to heaven when you die. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church once, twice a year, but I prayed the prayer. I did the four spiritual arts, and so when I die, I'm going to heaven. That's what it means to be a Christian in America today, but that's not biblically what it means to be a disciple or a Christian. Yes, yes, you can go to heaven when you die if you believe in Jesus. But what Jesus taught is that heaven happens today. (laughs) 
the kingdom of heaven is right here, right now. And so when you believe in Jesus, heaven starts to transform you today. A disciple has a ticket to heaven, yes, but he has a transforming power of heaven in his life today. The process of spiritual transformation happens the moment that you choose to follow Jesus and he enters in your life through the Holy Spirit and your life starts to change and look like him more and more each day. That's what a disciple is, intentionally following Jesus in order to become like him. And so I want to talk about that from the Gospel of Matthew. If you want to open your Bibles, Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30 And we're looking at one of Jesus' classic calls or invitations to discipleship, right? An invitation to trust and follow him in order to become like him and actually how he helps you bear the burdens of life. The burdens of life, right? The anxiety, the fear, the worry, the doubt, the struggle, the pressure, right? As you learn to rest in his easy yoke. Well, let's look at that here this morning. Here's his call. Come to me. Jesus' invitation. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is life. Light. Jesus promises you rest, not just when you die, right? Rest in peace. We say that he's resting in peace. No, Jesus promises you rest today. Rest right now in Orange County. Rest when you watch what's happening on the TV. Rest in your work life. Rest in the precious. He offers you peace and rest today as you walk and learn to live with him and follow him under his easy yoke. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple and to follow Jesus and not just be a Christian that gets rest when he dies, but a disciple who's experiencing peace and rest today? What does that look like from this passage here? The first thing Jesus is saying is trust in the person of peace and rest. Trust in the person of peace. Right away, Jesus is saying rest does not come from a possession. Rest doesn't come from your performance. Rest doesn't come, right, from a place even. Rest comes from a person. I'm the person of peace. and Come and follow me. Come and trust in me. Come and walk in my rest, and I will transfer that rest right into your soul. Trust in the person of peace and rest. Come to me, you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus is utterly unique. You're exploring Jesus today, if you're a seeker, if you're wondering what Jesus is all about, you just have to know that Jesus is utterly unique amongst all the religious figures of the world and religious systems of the world, right? Because Jesus is not just a prophet, right? Most of the religious founders of religions are prophets. They have this wisdom. They say, I'm going to point you and show you how to get to God, what to do, right? And Jesus is not just a prophet pointing the way to God. He is utterly unique because he is the person of God making a way to God. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to find true peace and rest. Trust in me. Not in yourself. Not in your own efforts. Not in your own work. 
Rest is not something you earn. It's something that I've earned, and I want to give it to you. I want to share it with you in relationship with me, right? Jesus is utterly unique because he's claiming to be God with skin on. God incarnate who walked on the planet and experienced peace and rest, right? Under the gracious rule of his heavenly Father, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. We're Trinitarian folks here. And so Jesus walked in that rest, and now he wants to train us and give that rest to us. And so Jesus says, come to me, learn from me, walk with me, because I'm the unique person of peace and rest, because I'm God. And I want to transfer. Only God has peace and rest, right? In his soul, in his spirit, who he is. So Jesus is not offering us a religious system of dues and earnings uh, to climb a ladder and somehow to earn peace and rest, but a relational access to the peace of God. He's offering us relational access in and through him to the peace of God and the rest of God. And Jesus said, that's why I've come. I've come to bring you back into that place with God so that you'll experience his peace and his rest. And we're moving towards Good Friday. We're moving for what the Christian tradition calls the death and resurrection of Jesus, the most powerful event in the Christian system and practice and religion, right? And that's why we put a cross here. And Jesus was born for the cross. He went to the cross because he knew that was the place that he could bring us back into peace and rest with the Father. And relationally, it says, on the cross, Jesus reconciled us. He brought us back into right relationship with God because we'd walked away from God's peace and rest because we thought we could earn it, manufacture it, and produce it in our own way, in our own power. And when we try to produce our own rest, our own peace, and be God on our own, what we produce is not peace and rest. We produce anxiety and fear and worry and war and divorce and addiction. We don't produce any rest at all because it only comes from God. And Jesus came to say, I want to take on that separation between you and God. And that separation, the Bible calls that death. And you know that's the greatest anxiety and fear underlying all the anxiety and fears that we have is that we're going to die. And what happens when you die, right? We're all being driven by the fear of death and the underlying anxiety that we don't know our purpose and meaning beyond the grave. How do we do that? And Jesus says, I'm going to face that for you. I'm going to die in your place. I'm going to take on all that mess at the cross and all the evil and the struggle. And I'm going to take it on myself and I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to remove that burden by, by paying the price, dying in your place, right? And offering you grace and peace and rest through reconciliation with God. When you trust in Christ, we're reconciled to the Father and we have peace with God. We become friends of God. We become God's family and we have peace with God. And guess what happens then? God puts his own spirit inside of us and we can experience the peace of God in our daily lives. Right Through God's presence in our life, we can experience the peace of God. And that's what Jesus, he died, he rose from the dead, and he puts that resurrection life inside of us as his disciples, and we can experience the peace of God every day through relationship, access to God, and the presence of his spirit. And so Jesus is the person of peace and rest. And so his rest is not an outside-in proposition. That's Orange County. I'm going to find peace and rest through outside-in. If I get the right job, if I get the right wife, if I get the right, right bank account, 
Then I can have peace and rest outside in. Then it'll, it'll produce peace and rest. Jesus says, not, that's not the way to get it. The way you're going to get it is through inside out. I'm going to put it inside of you. Through my own gift of grace, I'm going to put my peace through the Holy Spirit inside of you, and then it's going to come out through your life. It's a whole different way of transformation, right? It's gospel. It's God working in and through us, right? This is what Jesus came to do, and he offers it to anybody. Here this morning, anybody in OC, to all those who are weary, is that, the, is that what OC looks like today? I think that's Orange County right there. In spite of all the money, power, and we're the richest, we're the richest, second richest county in the world. I don't know what it is. We have so much, so much. And guess what? We all we have is weary and heavy laden people, burdened by finances and debt, burdened by keeping up with the pace of Orange County, burdened by our, our all our toys that we got to continue to fix and work on and make happen so we can have peace and rest. Burdened by paying for the vacation. You know, burdened by raising kids and all the sports activities we got to do. All this activity and what we're just weary and burned out by it all. Because it doesn't give us peace and rest. And Jesus says, I want to offer that to you as a disciple. To learn to have my peace and rest if you're weary and heavy laden. Why? Because we're trying to find peace and rest through earthly things and you never can. Earthly things cannot do eternal things. Earthly things are gifts. Yeah, it's wonderful to have a house and a job and all these things. But earthly things can never do eternal things in your soul. And when you ask an earthly thing to do an eternal thing and you put it up there, it's called idolatry. When you ask an earthly thing to be God and to give you security and peace and rest that it never can, it's called idolatry. You're you're putting it in the place of God. And instead of peace and rest, it just gives you anxiety and slavery and addiction. Here's a good example of that right here. This is a great tool, right? Earthly thing. But if I ask this to give me peace and rest through my stock market, through all the texting, through all the posting, and doing my TikTok or whatever I got to do, I want to try that Guess what? All it produces is addiction, a slavery, anxiety, and it's actually scientifically proven. Look at the research and what it's doing to our youth. This thing right here. I want to commend, you know, the Applebee's because this is not in their household. And when Sugar Daddy Papa comes in and Shep goes, can I play a video game? I want to come and give it to him. No, 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 no. That's not peace and rest, Papa. Come on. See, they're training their kids differently. We need to train our kids out of this technology. It's a great tool, but man, it'll work your kids to death. Let me just tell you. You've seen it every day. And so that's an example. We're trying to find peace and rest from an earthly tool that only an eternal one can. Right? And that's what Jesus is talking about. Come to me. I'm the person of rest. But here's the second offer. To train in the practice of peace and rest. Not just to turn to the person and trust in the person. That's pretty much Christianity in America today. I trusted in Jesus. I know he's got peace and rest. But what's discipleship? Discipleship is not just trusting, it's actually training. (laughs) It's actually following. It's actually stepping under the yoke and learning to train in the practice of peace and rest. That's discipleship. And that's what we need in the church of America today. If we're going to give peace and rest to the world around us, we need to train. And so what does Jesus say? Here, take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Interesting. We're burdened, we're weary, I'm burned out, I'm tired. Jesus, give me a vacation. (laughs) Jesus, just give me a vacation. Jesus, give me a bed, right? Jesus, give me a nap. Jesus gives us a yoke. What? That's a work tool. Jesus is giving us a work tool. What is this all about? I love what Dale Bruner says. This is so insightful. A yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers us a yoke, he offers us what we might, might tired workers need least, right? I don't want a yoke. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realized that the most restful gift he can give us, the tired and weary to carry life, is a fresh way to bear the responsibilities of life. But Jesus realized the most restful gift he can give us The tired and weary is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear the burden and responsibilities. Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens, right? This world is full of trouble. There's one burden. You cannot escape the burdens. They are a part of this life. And so Jesus doesn't offer us an escape. He offers us equipment. He doesn't offer us escape. Here's a pill. Take a drug. Get away. Go escape to the movies. Escape to porn. Escape to alcohol. He doesn't offer us escape. He offers us equipment, an easy yoke. I will show you how to go through life in a different way where the burdens can be borne with me. Wow. This is amazing. This is revolutionary stuff, guys. The easy yoke, right? How many of us have even tried this, right? How many of these have walked in this? That's a yoke. In the first century world, Jesus' hearers would have saw this and understood exactly what he meant in an agrarian culture that had to work the land and farm and do all the things, right? A yoke is a, is a working tool, a wood, a wood tool that brings two farm animals together, usually oxen, so that they can work together to plow a field to pull a cart. It is a work tool that makes the burden easy and light. The perfect thing that Jesus is using to describe our life with him as we train with him, right? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And you know in the first century world, if you were a farmer and you had a new oxen, a young oxen, what you do is you yoke them with an old wise oxen, right? I think there's one bigger than the other here. But the old wise oxen understood how to do the work, plow the field, and enjoy the ride, (laughs) right? And so the old oxen was wise. He understood pace. The old oxen understood what it was like to be present, to hear the commands of of those that were putting him forward, to be present with his workmate. The old old oxen understood the practices, what, what the rhythm was like and how it worked. The young oxen, he was just excited to run and do it, play and do whatever he wanted to do. And so when they would yoke the oxen together, the young oxen would want to go too fast and run so fast. Let's get it done fast and then we can go in the field, right? But he would burn out, right? So the old oxen had to pull him back and teach him the pace, right? The young oxen saw a she-oxen over here and said, ooh, look at that. And he wanted to drive the cart over there. Go check out the she-oxen, right? No, 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 that's not time for that, son. We've got to walk the path here so we can get the work done, and then there's going to be rest 
follow my rhythm, follow my pace. You know, I saw some, some water and some grass over here and wanted to pull the cart over. Oh, no, no, no. It's not break time yet. You have to learn. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace because what happens when you fall, go aside, right? The cart tips over and guess who's frustrated and everything gets messed up? Follow me and I'll show you the path of life. Follow me and I'll help you bear the burden. And all of a sudden the young oxen falls in line and he understands he, it's not so crushing the weight. He doesn't want to escape from it. He doesn't want to run away because the old oxen is bearing the load with him. Bearing most of the load and teaching him the rhythm and the pace. That's what Jesus wants to do with us. He says, come alongside me, be yoked with me. And in relationship with me, I'll teach you the pace of life that brings life. I'll understand, you'll understand what it means to be in my presence and to be present in relationship. And that helps the burden of life, the presence. You ever worked out alone? I've tried to work out alone a lot. It doesn't work. I, I get tired. I get bored. I get distracted. I don't get through my workout. But I, when, I, when I work out with a buddy, guess what? I show up because my buddy's there. He shows up because I'm there. We work together, and guess what? The work is easier because we start talking about our relationships and our marriages and stuff, and you know what? The, the, the burden of, of climbing a hill on a mountain bike, suddenly I just don't even, I don't even think about it because it's not about what's up here and the yoke. It's about what's here in the relationship, and suddenly it's a whole different thing, and suddenly I'm learning a pace. I'm, suddenly I have a presence and suddenly the practices of working together, it, the burden becomes so much different and so much lighter. That's what Jesus is offering to us. He says, come alongside me, learn from me. I understand how to do life. I created life. I know what it's like to live under the gracious rule and reign of God. Train with me and understand what it looks like, and I can transfer. You will understand peace and rest through my power in your life. I love the way Eugene Peterson in the message, captures this invitation to the easy yoke. Jesus says, walk with me and work with me. The work is still there, right? But watch how I do it, right? Jesus is the smartest person that ever lives. Jesus is not just smart about getting to heaven. Jesus is smart about how you live your work life today. Jesus understands your work life. He understands your relational life. He understands your finances. He understands every, and he's the smartest person that ever lived. Do you want to learn from the smartest person that ever lived on how to do life? Jesus is better than being yoked with Jeff Bezos. Jesus is better than being yoked with Elon Musk. Jesus is better than being yoked with the greatest person you could think of in your field, Michael Jordan or Tom Brady. Jesus knows everything about every subject that you would ever want about, and he can show you how to do it because he created it for you, <laughs> and he's walked in it with you. Jesus is the smartest person on the planet. And so watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. It's not forced. It's not pushing. I won't lay anything ill-fitting on you. I won't ask you to walk in a lane you weren't created for. So many people are walking in the wrong lanes that they weren't created for, and they have no peace and rest because they're not in the lane that God created them. I'll get you in your lane. So you're doing the things that I've called you and created you to do. I won't put anything easy or if I keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly, right? Work will actually be fun. Work will be enjoyable. The burdens are hard, but I'll show you find, to find peace and rest in the midst of the burdens. I am so overwhelmed, right? You know the, the, the heroes in my mind in Ukraine right now? 
And obviously everybody looks at Zelensky, he's a great leader, whatever. So heroes are the pastors. I read about this pastor that sent his family, his two sons and his wife, he sent them down to the border. He stayed, he's staying in Kiev. And people are dying left and right. And he's going there and he's praying. He doesn't have a gun. He has a Bible and he's got a prayer. He's got a cross and he's praying for the poor and he's administering last rites and he's loving the sick. How could he do that? Because, and he says, God is with us. What? It's war. It's horror. How is God with you? Because I'm under his easy yoke. Jesus is right here with me. And I can experience his presence and it helps me bear the burden of death and corruption because Jesus is lifting that burden with me through his hope and his peace and his joy. That's the easy yoke. Man, do we need some of that in the West here? (laughs) Do we need some of that here? Right? What, What an inspiring thing. And that's the easy yoke that Jesus offers us. Offers it to each one of us. And he says... Thirdly, true peace and rest will come to you through the secret of my easy yoke. Right? True peace and rest, will. as you walk with me, as you learn with me, then true peace and rest will come to you through the secret of my easy yoke. For my yoke is easy and my burden is life. What is the secret of this easy yoke? Here's what Dallas Willard says. In this lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Living as Jesus lived in entirety, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus, we read the Bible, read the Sermon on the Mount, consists of loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, Suffering patiently and hopefully while living the rest of our lives just as everybody else in Orange County does. We, come to, we hear this great sermon from Bucky. He says, love your enemies. That's so great. It's so wonderful. I love that concept. Right? Suffer patiently. These are all great, wonderful, inspiring sermons. Then we go out and live in Orange County like everybody else lives. Chasing, running after all these idols, going crazy. And then we expect to be able to love our enemies. There's no way that's going to happen. Christianity is not magic. We don't just throw pixie dust on you every week and, and all of a sudden you guys are changed. No, no, no. It's training, right? It's the overall lifestyle of Jesus, right? Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists of these things while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. It's a strategy that's going to fail. <laughs> and it fails every week, Right? Because how many people say, I love the sermon, but I can't live it, you know, and then they give up on Christianity, right? I love the sermon, I love the inspiring talk, boy, Pastor Bucky, you get paid to do it, I love that you get to do it, but I can't do it. Why? Because we've just given you inspiration, we haven't given you practices and training. That's discipleship, that's what the church is failing, and I'm a part of that. I'm sorry. I want that to be different. I want to understand how that, I pray about that. Ben and I talk about that. How can we make disciples versus the old thing of just making Christians? And that's what this is all about. That's what our passion is about. I love what John Mark Comer says. He says that, you know what, we all want the life of Jesus without adopting the lifestyle of Jesus. You can't have the life of Jesus without adopting his rhythm and his grace and his practices without the lifestyle of Jesus. He offers that. It's a complete package. 
He modeled it for us. He showed us the rhythms. And as we walk in those rhythms, we open our heart up to the transferring power of the Spirit in our lives. Just like he did. He was 100% God and 100% man. He had to learn obedience through his practices. He had to go through development just like we do. He had to transform his mind just like we do. He had to submit his will just like we do. He had to align with the scriptures just like we do. And he had to develop and learn because he was human. He was God with skin. He had to develop and learn. And so when you read the Gospels, I would encourage you to go back and read one of the Gospels and say, what are Jesus' practices and rhythms? How can I not just learn from his words, but his practices and rhythms? And you'll see some amazing things that are a part of his daily, that comes out of his Judaism, that comes out of his culture, that actually set him up, right? Set him up to be the Messiah, the God King, right? He had, he had to do that as a human. He had to learn to obey and trust. He had to develop, just like we do, right? It's not magic wand stuff. It's, it's spiritual practice and development. And the biggest thing that we're missing is that we're just trying, we're just hearing a sermon and going on trying and failing, and then we give up. Dallas Willard calls this the sanctification gap. The church doesn't look like Jesus because it tries and it fails and it just gives up. And what are we missing? We're missing training. Training in, the, in righteousness. Training, in, training to become like Jesus. Walking under his easy yoke. So we're training. So when we face that, we're ready to respond. We face that, we're ready to respond. You know, um, a lot of people struggle with this. They go, gosh, but I, th- I thought salvation was by grace. Right? Grace through faith alone, and that's totally true. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. And grace is opposed to earning. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn, Right? Your sanctification, it's, you, you haven't earned it, it's been given to you. But grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. And that's what we've left out is the effort. You still have to make the effort. You're not earning your salvation, you're not earning becoming like Jesus, but you're making the effort through discipline and practice, just like in any other apprenticeship you would do. Right? You want to become a great salesperson, you've got to make the effort. You, you want to become a, a great basketball player, you have to make the effort. You want to become a great football player, you got to make the effort. Any, any discipline, anything that you want to do, you have to make the effort. And Jesus is saying, come follow me, put my yoke on you, and let's make the effort together. I will make you like me. You know in the first century when a rabbi offered someone his yoke, what did he say? A yoke for a rabbi was his teaching under the law. So Jesus' yoke is his, his certification that he understands how to live the law, not just teach, teach the law. It's his practices, it's his rhythms, and he would be looked at and say, does that, that rabbi's practices and rhythms actually look like the law? And you know, Jesus actually did it perfectly, right? So he fulfilled the law, he didn't throw it out. And so his practices were certified, God perfect. And so when he says to you, and a rabbi in the first century, when he recruited students, where did he go? He went to Jerusalem, right? right? He went to Jerusalem where the most elite students were in the school of, of the rabbis of Jerusalem. He didn't go to the Galilee. The Galilee is for flunkies. The Galilee is for people that flunk out of school and have to go into trade school, like fishermen, right? 
Nobody went to the Galilee. They went to the, they, if you wanted to get guys for Harvard and Yale, you went and recruited those guys in that place, right? In the most elite places. So Jesus goes and he gets a bunch of fishermen and he gets a bunch, a bunch of people that weren't that elite and he says, guess what? You take my yoke and I believe I can make you like me. Jesus is asking you right now, I believe you can become like me. Jesus believes you can become like him. Do you believe you can become like him? Do you actually believe that, or is that just a fantasy? Is that just for pastors like me? Do you know that Jesus believes you can become like him? That's how much he loves you. He says, come under my yoke, take on my practices, and you can become, I can make you like me. Through the power of my spirit and the, my rhythm of grace and my presence, I can make you like me. And so what are the training tips? What are the practices This is a great practice here this morning. Thanks for coming. You're making space for God to speak into your heart. You're making space for the Holy Spirit to work. Spiritual disciplines, they're not earning their efforts that make space for the transforming power of God's grace to work in in our lives. They're disciplines of grace. We're opening ourselves up to the grace of God so it can actually transform us from the inside out through the Holy Spirit. It's nothing that we're earning. It's not about... Our strength or our power, it's about God's power in us. So we're practicing, we're putting ourselves into that space. Going to church is one of these things. We serve, great. We, we go to small group. These are the practices of the American church, but we're missing some things in Jesus' rhythm. That's why we're struggling with so much anxiety and fear, I believe. Because the American culture has pushed us into such a fast-paced life that all we do is we shove church Small group once a mile, and we serve once a month, and we put it into an already hugely busy and crazy schedule, and it does not produce peace and rest. It just makes us more anxiety and more busy. And Dallas Willard says, if you want to follow Jesus as an easy yoke, you have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You have to strategically slow down. Jesus' rhythm had rest. Jesus' rhythm had silence and solitude. Jesus' rhythm had time to meditate and renew the mind. We're so busy. We're so pushed with information. We don't have space to do that in America. So this is a radical part of the easy yoke, guys. Are you willing to follow Jesus and start to look at your own calendar and say, Jesus, how can I make space for you and the Spirit to work in my life? Here's three practices the Dallas Lord would say. These, these, are, these are void in the American church. Silence and solitude. We don't, we don't get away and get alone with God to hear his voice. We don't practice silence and solitude. Where could you make some space for that in your life? Maybe riding in the car, turning everything off, and you've got an hour commute. Whatever. How could you? I know guys that are practicing silence and solitude in the car. You know? What about taking a walk alone? You know, what about riding a, riding a mountain bike alone, going to a mountain and meditating? You know, there's a lot of ways you can work this in, into your rhythm. Silence and solitude, right? What about Sabbath? Ben talks about this all the time. We've lost Sabbath. There is no Sabbath. Sabbath is, is a 45-minute church service, maybe, if we're lucky. Sabbath is taking a space and creating a day where you're just resting and delighting in God and good things. That is revolutionary in Orange County. If you would practice Sabbath, I know, I know some spiritual guys that have practiced Sabbath and they're finding so much more peace and rest in their soul just from putting a Sabbath in and walking with God in the rest of that Sabbath. What about 
memorizing the scriptures. Not just reading the scriptures, not just blowing through, checking, but actually meditating on scriptures and memorizing them. You know, Jesus had memorized the whole scriptures. You know why? Because he was Jewish, not because he was God. Because Jewish kids went to Torah school and they memorized the Old Testament by the time they graduated. His mind was so full of Torah. He was stuffed with Torah. As that the, the rabbi said, we're going to stuff our kids with the Torah. That when he opened his mouth, when his mind started to download, what came into his mind? The vision of God. The thinking of God. The plan of God. It was all there. Do we fill our minds and memorize and meditate on key passages that will... Get us founded. See, these are some great practices I would encourage you in. If you really want to find that peace and rest under the easy yoke of Jesus. It's not just about trying harder. It's about training, making space for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So I'll end with this story. The band can come up. We're going to have a time of worship. When I was a young ox, I was pretty full of myself. I played college basketball. I was in really good shape. You know, I was full of vim and vigor. There's some old oxes on my street that were about 10, 15 years older than me, and they were buddies, and they were going to run a marathon. And I laughed at them and chided them. Oh, my gosh, you guys are never going to make it, all this stuff. But they would train. They'd get their little shorts on, and they would train. They had little water bottles, and they had little, little power bars, and they were doing the whole marathon thing, the marathon garb. And I would taunt them and tease them, you know. They were my buddies. And one day they were, they were doing this rhythm where they would do short runs and on the weekends they do a long run. And they had it all trained out. They showed me their schedule. They even brought out their little fanny pack. Here's the schedule. Here's what we're doing. They were so proud of all this stuff they do. And I would just chide them and laugh at them. Dude, you're going 70 miles? I can go 70 miles right now. I've never even ran a marathon. And I'll kick your butt. They would laugh at me. Oh, you're so... And so, it's fine. I went in and I put on my basketball shoes. And I, and I ran with them. And so we're going to do a 17-mile run. And so we're running and everything. This is, they're getting training for running. And so we're going along and stuff. And I'm doing pretty good and whatever. But then I'm saying, oh, man, I'm getting really tired. I'm getting really t- this is so hard. You guys are right. All this stuff. Because we're getting about 14 miles. Oh, man, I'm maybe going to have to quit. But let, let me give it one more try. And then I just took off. And I blew, I blew them out. And I finished ahead of them, and I was just so happy. I got the paper out when they came in there, and I was sitting there just being, hey, where you guys been? I'm making fun of them. I was so proud. You know, you don't need to train. Just, just try, man. Just get in shape. Just be a stud like me, right? Went to bed. Next day, I got out. Of bed. Oh, oh, my foot's, man, my foot's, ouch, ouch. Oh, gosh, that hurts. Oh, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, my gosh. Put some ice on it. Take some Advil. It's not getting better and better. Oh my gosh! Go to the doctor, Bucky. You stress fractured your foot. You idiot! You went out and tried to run seventy miles without training. You're a bonehead. And so for the next little cast, all the guys they had fun with me. Hey, Bucky, you gonna do the crutch marathon now? Because I tried. There was no training. It was pride. I tried to put all that pressure of a run on my life, and I blew out my foot. And you know what Christians do in Orange County every day? They go to church, and they said, oh, man, I'll take on the finances after that. And I'll take on the house, and I'll take on the car, and I'll take on making my kids Harvard graduates and pro players, and I'll take all that on, and we'll do this. And they start running and running. What do they do? They blow out their lives. They blow out their marriages. They blow out their careers with addiction because they can't take the pressure because they haven't trained. They've just tried. I did run a marathon. 
but I followed those guys' regimen, and I got a trainer, and I practiced, and I trained, and this guy was a, a guy from Mariner's Church, and he had run marathons. He was world-class, and he taught us, and he walked with us. And when he ran the marathon with us, uh, LA Marathon, this big old ox of mine, he would run up and run back, because we, had, we, had, we were in teams of two. He yoked us together with two guys, and you guys, are, you're, you and Jeff Brown, you're going to be running buddies, and I want you to talk to each other during the race, and then I want you to know when to take the water and when to eat the bar, and these are the rhythms, and listen to the music, because there's a band, and have fun, enjoy this, and keep your pace, you know, because this will allow you to finish if you keep this pace, and you talk to each other, and Jim had seven sets of guys, and he would run up and turn around and run back, and he would talk to us, he would coach us all, he'd run up and run back, and this guy, this guy could run two marathons, and we finished, we, me, me and Jeff finished together, because we were under the easy yoke, because we trained, and we're in this friendship. And Jesus is saying, if you want life in Orange County, if you want peace and rest, if you want to know the joy of what you were created to do, step into my yoke. Train with me. Learn with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace, and I will make you like me. I will make you full of peace and rest, so when the burdens of life come into your life, you will respond with grace and love and you'll be my representative on there. And boy, does Orange County need ambassadors of peace and rest today, guys. And that's us. So what does that mean for you? Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you come to him? If you haven't this morning, I want to invite you to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I, I just want to trust in you. Have you taken on his easy yoke? Jesus, teach me about your practices. I need to... Meet with Ben. I need to meet with Bucky. I need to find some folks that can teach me about these rhythms and what it looks like. Mark Rogers, this guy right here knows so much about that. Join his class or ask him how he's figured out. He's had to figure it out in his life. Let us disciple you. Let us come along. That's what we're here for, guys, is to help you find rest as you become like Jesus. And so maybe that's for you. What does this look like? Or maybe here this morning you're just going, man, thank you, Jesus. You're giving me peace. You just want to celebrate the joy of being in the yoke today. Wherever you're at, this table is a reminder. Jesus said, this is my body and my blood which is given for you. It's communion. It's not about earning. (laughs) It's about coming up and receiving God's grace and peace. This is a spiritual practice. We're opening our hearts to Jesus and the Spirit, asking him through these elements to give us a spiritual meal, to change us from the inside out. That's, that's what this is. It's a celebration of what he did. It's not about earning. It's about receiving. And if you want to receive that remembrance of his grace, just come up and take that. Maybe grab somebody and pray with them. Pray about your life and your burdens. Cast those burdens on him because he is with you in the easy yoke. Let's bow our heads as we close. Father, thanks so much this morning. Thanks for all these folks. God, you are with them. Jesus, I thank you for this easy yoke. Show us how to step into that. Show us how to walk with you. Teach us, train us. Show us how we can respond to these burdens and make life easier under the yoke of addiction here this morning, under the yoke of, 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 of divorce, under the yoke of shame and fear that's happening here in this room this morning, under the yoke of, of, of burnout, Lord God, of drivenness, Lord God, Help break those addictions, Lord, and bring us into an easier load through the power of your grace. We pray for transforming grace now as we celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, 
or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.